Amen. That took forever. Hey, turn in your Bible to the without a Sunday night offering takes a long time, guys. It takes, we got to hustle it up, okay? Hustle up a little bit. Turn in your Bible. I'm kidding. Turn in the Bible to the book of Hosea. Hosea, we're going to be in chapter number three this evening. And we've been talking the last few weeks. Uh, we've been uh, talking about um, the prophecy here in the book of Hosea. And so... Uh, God, here's what kind of what's happening. If you've missed the other couple of weeks, here is what is going on in the life of Hosea. God asked his prophet Hosea to preach a very painful action sermon to live out an illustration, right? And so God had Hosea marry a prostitute. Hosea is a broken-hearted preacher. His wife Gomer, at this point, has decided to leave him and go back to her life of prostitution. Now, he doesn't know what to do. Uh, I believe that Hosea loved Gomer, yet she has gone away, and he hears reports that everything is just going from bad to worse to bad to worse and going progressively downward. And he now hears that she's hit rock bottom, and he's lost complete track of her. In addition to that, he's got the responsibility for the, the babies, the three children, and two of them probably weren't even his, and he's got the responsibilities of taking care of them and all of that. And so, I mean, he picks them up, takes them home at the end of the day and takes care of them, does their homework, bathes them and puts them to bed. And, and Hosea doesn't even know where his wife, Gomer, is. And in a very unique and a very special way, the Lord used his marital tragedy in, the, in his life to teach us an important lesson and the nation of Israel an important lesson in Hosea's day. It's a lesson about sin and about love. Look at this next slide. In Gomer, we see a picture of sin and people. In Hosea, we see the picture of a loving God, right? A loving God. Now, have you ever noticed that some people got more money than they've got since? Have you noticed that? I can remember and back in 2010, uh, Katy Perry purchased her then boyfriend, Russell Brand, a ticket into outer space in 2010. I'm pretty sure he still has not been able to redeem or use that ticket into outer space. Uh, Beyonce once had a $100,000 pair of gold leggings that she wore one time. $100,000. Uh, I've heard of different celebrities. Uh, uh, one lady spent $35,000 on having a gold-plated iPhone. You know they just came out with an updated version three weeks later. Amen? $35,000. Um, true story, Lady Gaga, if you know who she is, she spent $50,000 on a Ghostbuster one time early in her career. A Ghostbuster, an electromagnetic field reader to keep ghosts at bay while she was on tour. $50,000. Well, and you know about one of the famous, the richest people ever to spend the most amount of money, Mike Tyson. $2.2 million, 24-karat gold bathtub. And he also bought three Bengal tigers. And you wonder why he filed for bankruptcy. A $2 million tub. Amen? And Hosea, though, what we're going to see is a purchase. And it's going to make you think, what was he thinking? It's a purchase that nobody else was willing to make. It's a purchase that nobody was going to make. But he made the purchase out of love. And to be honest, it's tough to see the value in what he got in this deal. But we, we see the price of love in this text. And we're going to see how God commands Hosea 
to show us this picture of God's love towards us. And when God pays a price that we would think was ridiculous if we were in his shoes. And that's how great his love is for us. So as we walk through these passages, take some notes tonight, write this down. First thing I want you to see is love, God's love, always responds. Love always responds. The word love is a noun and it's also a verb. For God so what? What's the word? Loved the world. Love is an action word and God shows us his love uh, uh, in so many different ways by how he responds to our sin and how he responds to us. Now, if you remember, um, if you're with us in chapter two of Hosea, God revealed the unfaithfulness of his people and told them in no uncertain terms, judgment is coming your way. And then in a stunning plot twist, even though the people constantly pursued sin, God constantly pursued his people. And in the last part of chapter two, in the beginning of chapter three, uh, it shows us how God responds to our sin and our unfaithfulness. Remember, if you remember, God says, I will, I, I will comfort, I will pursue, I will, I will, I will, I will. Will. And then he says this, looking, uh, we'll go back to chapter two and look at verse 23. He says, then I will sow her for myself in the earth and I will have mercy on her who had not attained mercy. And then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. Gomer had left Hosea and she is after, at this point is sunk lower and lower on the social scale of the day. She became a slave and was sold uh, into captivity in the capital city of Samaria. Now, we know from history there's some different ways in that time in which you could become a slave. One way is a slave by conquest. If this army whooped that army, whatever prisoners this army took, the victorious army, they would take those people as slaves. The other way that you could do it, you could just born into slavery, right? If you had the bad luck of being born into slavery, you became a slave automatically. But also, in Hosea's day, you could be, become a slave because of your debt, because of your debt. You couldn't pay your debt. Well, you would be sold into slavery to cover your debt. And so this time came when she sold because of her debt at the lowest point of her life. She's on the auction block in the capital city there in Samaria. And Hosea was told by God to go buy her. Look at Hosea 3, verse number 1. It says, then the Lord God said to me, go again. I just love that. Go again. Again. Love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. God commands Hosea, go again, love this woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Can you imagine how insulting that has to be for Hosea? I'm Hosea. I'm a prophet of God. I've got a reputation to keep, and this woman is ruining my life. He's thinking, I've been faithful to her. I'm a prophet of God, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man's man, right? And if she don't want me, I don't want her. But the Bible says God commanded Hosea to go again, to go again. And God commanded him to love her. Notice it wasn't an option. God didn't say, Hosea, try to love her. Find it in your heart. Maybe you'll see her again and the sparks will just fly and you'll feel like loving this woman. God commanded Hosea to love her. And that's a reminder, once again, love is a what? Choice. It's a choice. It's a decision. But remember, God is painting a, a sermon illustration with Hosea's life. It's this painful action sermon, but it provides a picture of how God loves us. Now, I, I put this in my notes. I can't pass it up. These, when, when God says, go, and, and these raisin cakes... 
of the pagans, these raisin cakes. That really stood out to me, but they were used in sacrifices of the Canaanites. So when they were worshiping these false gods, part of that was these raisin cakes, right? There was part of the worship of idols, which the children of Israel had adopted. And he, right here at the end of that verse, he's like, who looked to other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the I have no idea why I find that funny, but that cracks me up that God added that in there. But God is making an application. He's saying to Hosea, Hosea, now you, you feel how I feel. You see, you understand how I feel when my people have run out on me. When they, and, and I'm trying to reach out to my people the way I want you to reach out to Gomer. One of the reasons why they went after the other guys is because they thought that they were getting something out of it. That's why anybody does anything. Most of the time we do it because we think we're getting something out of it. But often it's a lie. The reason why Gomer went after her lovers is because what she thought she would get out of it. Do you remember in chapter 2? Look at verse number 5. It says, for she said, I will go after my lovers. Why? Who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Now, if you remember, who really gave it to her? Hosea. Hosea was the one that really gave all that to her, right? Because he was taking care of her behind the scenes and she didn't even know it. Because God said, go find Hosea and take care of her. But she thought her lovers were providing these things. Hosea was providing these things. And that's like a picture of us when we run into sin and we turn to other things besides God because we think we're going to get something out of it. And even if some, you know, for some reason good things are happening in our life, we forget that God ultimately is the one behind the scenes pulling the strings and he is the reason for every good thing that we receive, that we have in this life. Gomer went after her lovers because of what she thought she would get out of it. We go after sin because of what we think that we will get out of it. Look at this next slide. What sin offers just doesn't last. It just doesn't last. People sell out the Lord Jesus Christ for the little trinkets of life. They sell out the Lord for temporary things of life. Preachers sell out the, uh, the word of God just for a little bit of popularity. And you find out when you sell out for things of this world, there's, I, I heard a, an interview with a comedian who was talking about earlier in his life, he had drug addiction and he talked about getting hooked on cocaine. And I thought that, that this is sin, man, this is perfect. And what he said was, he said, the first few times that you do cocaine, uh, I've never done cocaine. Anybody want to come? I'm just kidding, but I'm not kidding. I've never, but if the first few times that you do cocaine, he says, it's amazing. You're like this. And he was working on a book. And he's like, I'm just, I'm knocking the words out every day. First few times, it was amazing. He said, but after that, you're always trying to recapture the feeling that you felt the first time. Does that make sense? He's like, you know, you no longer feel like you did the first time, but you're always chasing that feeling that you felt the first time. Often that's true with sin. Many times the Bible word of God says there's pleasure in sin for a season, for a time, for a short period of time. But what happens is we go to sin for what we get out of it. Then we imagine that we got something out of it and we keep going back, wanting to get out of it what we got the first time. But it's never coming back. It's never coming back. What sin offers doesn't last. It's diminishing returns. But God responds to us in love and he shows us his unconditional, faithful, never-ending love. We were crippled and disfigured by sin, but he loved us anyway. The risen, living Christ gives us hope. That even when we've given up on him, he hasn't given up on us. He understands us because he came and lived. And he walked the same roads that you walked. And he chewed the same dirt that you chewed. He's lived a life just like you're living life. And he faced the same uh, temptations and discouragements. But look at this next slide. 
But by his resurrection, we have help in this life and hope for the life to come. We know that this isn't all there is. And we have that blessed assurance that he is going to fulfill that which he has promised. Number two, write this down. Also, love responds. Love responds. Restores. Love restores. I want you to notice a promise that God makes to his people. Even though they've rejected them, they've turned their back on God. Look at this promise in verse number four. He says, for the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall. Now, here's what he's saying. He said, they're going to return. He's not saying maybe after I pursue them with my life. He says they are going to return and seek the Lord, their God and David, their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Now, that word return is a key word here. It's a word that's used 22 times in Hosea's prophecy. When Israel repents and returns to the Lord, then the Lord is going to bless Israel. Just as Gomer had been consistently inconsistent in her relationship with Hosea, God's people, the nation of Israel, they've been consistently unfaithful to the Lord. The people of Israel were guilty of idolatry, spiritual adultery, but God promises one day they're going to repent and turn. And it's amazing how the word of God puts all this together. Because if you go all the way to the book of Revelations, you're going to find 144,000 Jewish witnesses who are going to go all over the world preaching Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And the Jewish people are going to return. See, I believe that during the, uh, uh, that time when they're going out and they're witnessing uh, Jesus as the Messiah, that primarily it's Jewish people all over the world that they're witnessing to. And it's primarily Jewish people who are finally going to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and their Messiah. And we see how God's word fits together. They will return through Jesus and God will restore that relationship through his love. Number three, the next thing that love does is love redeems. Love redeems. We talked about that some this morning, but God told Hosea, go love a woman. Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man. And so he starts looking for her. I can almost imagine Hosea looking for Gomer, going to some of the old hotels and the motels that Gomer used to hang out in, some of the old places that she used to go, right? Have you seen Gomer? Anybody heard of Gomer? Have you seen Gomer? Do you know where Gomer is around here? He's looking for her. He's seeking for her. Look at this next slide. God's looking for you today, too. There's somebody here, some lady, man, woman, boy, girl. God knows exactly where you are, and he's calling you, just like Hosea was calling for Gomer. Now, Hosea makes his way into the marketplace. I just imagine this. He's moving down the rows and the streets, and he's getting closer and closer to that auction block. He can probably hear the noise of the auction in the background as he's looking for Gomer. And he gets to that slave market, and he hears the bidding, and he hears the crowd, and he looks up, and he sees this naked woman. Because that's how they would sell you as a slave. They would sell you naked and no dignity. All human dignity has been removed. He looks up there and sees this woman, no clothes on. She's aged and worn. I don't think he recognized her at first. I don't think he recognized her. And then finally he realizes it's Gomer. See, I, I don't know about, listen, I, here's something I've noticed. <laughs> when I see people my age sometimes, because I've aged really good. And no, I haven't. But let me tell you who's aged worse than me. The people that are my age are the people that have been partying, drug addicted, running with the wrong crowd, doing the wrong things, living an ungodly, unhealthy lifestyle. And when you see them, 
it shows in their face. It's like years have just added up, right? That all the times that they've been running from God, the years have just been adding up on their face in a way that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. Do you know what I mean, right? Like you, you see somebody and you're the same age and you're like, I oh, look that old. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think that's what happened here with Gomer. I don't think Hosea recognized her at first. I think, I think every, the lifestyle of a, a prostitute running far from God had taken its toll on her looks. You've seen it, a beautiful young lady, and you run into her 20 years later, and after a life spent running from God, you can see it all over her face, the scars and the stains of sin on her. And he realizes it's Gomer. And he runs over to the man in charge. This is what I think. He, he has to say, that's my wife. Right? The guy in the church, that's my wife. That's Gomer, my wife. You need to give me my wife. And dude said, man, it's too bad. I've got an investment. I've paid for her. Or she owes me the debt. Whatever it is, and I'm going to get my money back out of it. See, sin will turn you into damaged goods. Sin will put you on the bargain counter of life. You'll be sold to the lowest bidder. Damaged. Reduced in value. Greatly reduced in value. I mean, you might be here tonight and there was a time in your life where you were strong in the things of the Lord and your mind was clear. There was a time when you were healthy and in your heart you had ambition when you look forward to the future. But sin has laid hold of you and all that's gone. There you are on the slave block of sin. That's what sin does. Look at verse 2. He says, so I bought her for myself. Now how much? For 15 shekels of silver and one and one half homers of barley. What is 15 shekels of silver? Not much. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus that a slave would be sold for how much? 30 shekels of silver. Jesus was betrayed for how much? 30 pieces of silver. The common going rate uh, for a slave is 30 pieces of silver. Look at this next slide. This woman has been reduced to half price. He gets her for 15. Why? Because they were never going to get 30 for her. It must have been humiliating for Gomer. It must have been humiliating for Hosea. Can you imagine the kind of humiliation to go after a woman like this that you can't even get 30 shekels of silver for? Used. This is what God has done for us in sending his son for us. We are Gomer. We were on the auction blocks of sin and our shame and our sin and our wickedness. And nobody was given 15 shekels of silver for us and our wretched, sinful condition. But God did when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sin. That's what Jesus did when he shed his blood. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's one of my most favorite verses in all of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. In other words, Gomer went for 15 shekels of silver, right? A slave is sold for 30 pieces of silver. But you weren't purchased with some trashy thing like that. Right? Like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We are Gomer. And we were on the auction blocks. We were greatly reduced in value. And there was nobody there who was putting a bid on us. Well, I mean, the world will bid. The, maybe, maybe 15 shekels. Maybe. 
with fame or wealth or prestige or temporary pleasures or something like that. The world's currency. But God sent Jesus Christ, his son, into the marketplace to buy us. And it cost us his life. There's no greater bid than that. You can't outbid that. So we become his. And he took his clothes and he clothed us. We were naked in our sin and shame. And he took our, uh, he didn't clothe us again in our filthy rags. He clothed us in his righteousness. That's just how much God loves us. That's what Jesus did for me, man. And that's what Jesus did for you. Paige Patterson once preached a sermon on Hosea. And he concluded it like this. He said this. He said, will you go back to the auction block with me one more time? See Gomer as she is purchased. The auctioneer cries, sold to the preacher in the back. He kicks Gomer off the block and she falls down in the dirt. Ashamed, she won't even lift up her face. She won't even look up. Her tears mingle with the dust and cake on her face. Suddenly, she feels an arm around her that draws her close. When she thought that no real affection remained in the world, and a hand has slipped beneath her cheek, and she turns and looks. That's not Hosea. That's not Hosea. That's the Lord Jesus. And I catch in his eye my own reflection and realize, that's not Gomer. That's not Gomer. That's me. In the dust, in the dirt of life, caked on my unrepentant face, and I realize that when I had no hope, Jesus cries from the back of the crowd, that one belongs to me. And he stoops in the dust beside us, draws us close, lifts us up, clothes our nakedness of shame with his own righteousness, and says, I will be with Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this true story. God, thank you for the sacrifice of your servant to live that action sermon and to demonstrate your love for us in such a plain, real way. God, that we can see what you did to purchase us from sin. Lord, we see what our sinful condition looks to you. And God, that you loved us anyway. And Lord, we just glorify and magnify your name for your goodness, your mercy, and for your grace. Listen, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Maybe you're here tonight, man, and you, you know what? And the truth is, in your heart, you know that you haven't been purchased, that you're still a slave to sin, that you're still chasing the temporary pleasures of this world and the sin that comes with it, and you have not truly surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, that he hasn't paid for your sin. I mean, he's paid for it, but you haven't received that free gift. Why don't you do it right now? Right there in your seat, there's nothing stopping you. All you have to do is simply humble yourself in your heart and turn to your loving God who's provided everything you need so that you can trust him and he can redeem you and save you. He's got more in front of you than whatever you've done with what's behind you and you can trust him with your life, with your soul, and with your future. Why don't you pray a prayer like this? You can simply say, Father God, talk to him. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. But I turn from my sin. I repent. Save me, Jesus. Tell him. Say, Lord, I'm surrendering my life. Lord, I'm trusting in your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. All of me. I surrender to all of you. Save me, Jesus. Tell him. Say, Lord, I recognize I'm the gomer in this story. And God, if I just want to thank you for purchasing me when I was dead in my trespasses and sin. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. I want to encourage you. You pray a prayer like that. God saved you. God has redeemed you. He's forgiven you. He's given you the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to make that decision public. 
follow through and be believer's baptism. Maybe you're here and you know that you've prayed that at some other point and you've never made that decision public. Like I said this morning, there's no such thing as closet Christians. God calls you to make that decision public. You need to be baptized and be obedient. It's a picture of what he did for you, the death, burial, and resurrection. Maybe you're here tonight and you recognize that your salvation and baptism are out of order. You need to get that straight. Why don't you come tonight and we'll schedule that for you and pray with you. Maybe you're here tonight and you recognize that Grace Baptist Church is your church family. This is where you worship the King. This is where you get fed the Word of God. And this is where God is calling you to serve. Why don't you come tonight and make it official? If He's calling, be obedient. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a believer. And the truth is we've all done it. We're kind of like Israel. We turn to spiritual idols. And we turn to sin. Because we think that we get something out of it. Is God speaking to your heart about sin in your life? The good news is, like Hosea, God is looking and he's ready and willing for you to turn from your sin and ask him to forgive you and wash you clean once again. Do you need to do business with God tonight? I want to encourage you to do that. But however God is speaking to you, I just want you to be faithful to the calling of God on your life. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for the blessing of knowing you as your child. Lord, I just pray that your people will use this invitation. God, that they will be obedient to your calling on their life. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me?